Living God, we pray that you will speak to us through your word this evening. Speak to our hearts and lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, When I was uh, away on holiday, we were away for a month, one of the things that uh, I thought about, we've got a bit of time, our daughters down in New Zealand, was uh, I thought I'd read through a gospel. Not to read it in bits, I can normally do, read a little bit, but to read it almost like a book. And so I sat down over a couple of days and I read Matthew's gospel. And as always, when I read a gospel, I was struck time and again by the number of stories there were about healing miracles, the healings of Jesus. These stories run like a golden thread through all four of the gospels. But as I read Matthew two or three times, I was brought up short and surprised by the reaction of people to the healing work of Jesus. The first instance is the one that we've just, uh, Kim's just read to us, Matthew chapter 8 and verses 28 to 34. And it's the story of the healing of two demon-possessed men. Now, these men were so violent that they had to close down a road. People couldn't go by that road. Not really the ideal sort of people to have living near you in your village. But when Jesus comes, that which possesses the two men cries out to go into a herd of pigs. Of course, pig was an unclean animal for the Jew. This happens, and the two men are well again. The pigs are none too special, but the men are well. You would have thought that folk would be thrilled by this miracle. You would have thought that they'd be happy that they could now safely walk down a road that they couldn't walk down for many years. You would have thought that they would have been pleased that these two men came back to their community as normal people, well people, healed people. But if you look at their reaction, it's here in verse 34. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. Don't you think that's odd? I did. And then in chapter 9 and verses 27 to 34, there is another negative reaction. Jesus has healed two blind men. He tells them to keep quiet about the healing, but hardly surprisingly, they don't keep quiet. They tell everybody about it. And because of that, others come to Jesus. And one of the ones that comes to Jesus is mute, and Jesus heals him as well. And so the blind see, the dumb speak, what calls for praise. But no, in chapter 9 and verse 34 here, we read, but the Pharisees said, it's by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. Moving on through the gospel to chapter 12 and verses 11 to 14, there's a man there with a shriveled hand. And Jesus tells him to stretch it out and wonder of wonders, he can do so. His hand is healed. But what's the reaction of these Pharisees, these people who have actually watched this miracle happen? Verse 14 here. The Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. 
pre-negative reactions. Each one with a wonderful healing, but in each one a negative response. In one, Jesus is told to go away. In another, he's accused of being in league with the devil. In another, he's hated so much that there's a plot to kill him. Now, why is this? Well, anything I suggest is, of course, merely speculation, but let me offer you three possible reasons that may well have been in play here. First and foremost, when God works, it is a little scary. You see, most of us like to keep our lives fairly buttoned down. We like to be in control. And when we're not in control, we feel uneasy, we feel vulnerable. And this can apply in the ministry of healing in two ways. On the one hand, there's the healing team, those of us who are offering prayer. On the other hand, there's those receiving prayer, some of you here this evening. Now let me be honest with you and say that I find offering prayer for healing pretty scary. Let me show that by sharing an incident right at the start of my involvement with the healing ministry. I started my participation in the healing ministry over 30 years ago when I was a minister in Halifax. And we did a lot of thinking, a lot of praying, a lot of training. And finally we got to the first service with the laying on of hands for healing and wholeness. And I invited people to come out to prayer. And the very first person to come out, I thought, oh no, not her. She was such a difficult lady. I thought, Lord, you know I'm a beginner here. Why couldn't have I had somebody wanting a bit of peace or somebody with perhaps a bit of headache or a back pain? That would have been a lot more reasonable. But this lady came out, and the reason I was so thrown was that I didn't really think she was a terribly spiritual lady, to be quite honest. I didn't think she'd ever asked for healing. But she wasn't asking for healing for herself. She was asking for healing for a friend who was in the hospital just over the road. And this friend was dying of cancer. And this lady said to me, will you pray for my friend? And as I said, oh dear, what a, what a start. I was a beginner. What was I to do? In any case, I prayed for her friend's healing, pleading pretty faithless really as I did so, and then wondering whether or not anything might happen. So the next day, though I didn't know the lady, I thought I needed to go over to the hospital. So around about tea time, I went over to the hospital and uh, went to see this lady in her room. And as I went in, she woke up. I introduced myself and uh, she said, oh, is it breakfast time? I said, no, it's not actually, it's tea time. And she said, well, it can't be. I just don't sleep that long. And she'd slept from the evening before when we'd been praying for her right through nearly 24 hours. Now, the problem for her was that she'd been very agitated. She hadn't been able to sleep. She'd been very touchy with family and friends. And as a result of this long sleep, she was far calmer. The next week, 
she was actually able to interact with her family and friends far more positively. She had a really good week. And then at the end of the week, she died. Now, had she been healed? No, she hadn't received the healing that I'm sure her friend wanted and family wanted for her. But she had a final week of her life in a totally different quality. It was a special time that I believe God gave her. You see, those of us who pray with people don't have a clue as to what God is going to do. That's why I have no patience at all with those in the healing ministry who tell God very firmly and often very loudly exactly what he's meant to be doing. Many times, for example, I've prayed for people's hearing and nothing has happened. But twice I've seen people recover their hearing. Many times I've prayed for people's sight and once a lady could see far better after we prayed with her. Many times I've prayed for one form of healing and God has given something totally different to what we were asking for. Praying on the healing team is quite a scary business. You pray, you exercise faith, but then you just have to step back and see what God might do or might not do. But I recognize it's also scary being prayed for because you are trusting yourself to people who are, to many of you, complete strangers. You share intimate facts and details about your body, your health, your family, your history, your life. You trust us to keep confidences to ourselves. You hope we're not charlatans who will deceive you. You hope somewhere God is in it. This is why some people want nothing to do with this ministry. Seeing God at work puts him firmly at the centre and self to the margins. And worryingly, we never seem to know what might happen, what God might seek to do. We simply have to trust his love and power and good purpose for our lives. These people in the gospel story saw a great and dramatic healing of two demon-possessed men but they would rather live their lives on a steadier place. So they tell Jesus to go away. And then second, just as in the story where Jesus is accused of being in league with the devil, some fear that fear this ministry because it opens them up to the supernatural. And when we think about the supernatural, it's completely true that there is both good and evil. In this ministry of healing, there are those who are on the wrong side. Spiritualists, tarot card readers, psychic healers, extreme Pentecostal preachers manipulating emotions. I think you're quite right to look carefully at what any ministry of healing offers and use your common sense to see if what's said 
rings true. And certainly if you're ever asked for money, it probably doesn't ring true. Just to clarify, here at the Methodist Central Hall, this ministry is headed up by the Reverend Peter Edwards here tonight, a minister who's one of our bright ministers who went to Cambridge, has a Cambridge degree, studied healing across many years, written a book on healing, many articles about it, and has just written a course for the National Methodist Church introducing the ministry of healing. Others of us who, who here who are ministers, particularly Tony and myself, have a great deal of pastoral experience in this ministry. We've been involved in it for many years. And those on the healing team are vetted and trained over a considerable period of time before they can actually pray with people. Notice also that you'll pray here around the edges. You're praying in public. We don't take people into a a little room and, and pray with them. We pray in a public space, and that's very important to us. We don't want people to feel vulnerable. We also pray in pairs, so there's always a check on what we say and do from another person. Be assured that we operate only in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, praying in the name of Jesus that his healing touch might be made real through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then my third point. Some tried to do away with Jesus, and some will try to do away with this ministry. In past days, the medical profession were often very sceptical, but I think in this 21st century, there's now a better understanding of the interrelationship between the mind, the spirit, and the body. And a sensible and reasonable ministry of healing is affirmed by many in the medical profession. In our ministry here, we always tell people, even if they're quite sure that they've been healed, to keep on taking any tablets that they've been prescribed and go and see their doctor to check on exactly what has happened. As I've said many times before here, if you're on the medication, see the tablets as a gift of God to you. Say grace as you take them. In spite of all this, though, I know some in the health service will still be against this ministry. Well, so be it. Let the experience and words of the many who have been prayed for be their own testimony. So, to finish, even with the presence of Jesus, some wanted to steer clear of healing, some pointed the finger and accused him of wrong motivations, and some opposed him outright. Yet you are here this evening. Perhaps sure, because of your past experience, that this ministry is indeed a blessing and a help to you. Or perhaps watching to see what goes on before you ask for help yourself. That's fine. Whoever you are, whatever reason brought you here, let me assure you that the one who matters is not me, the preacher, nor Peter, who heads up our ministry, nor the healing team. Who matters is Jesus, 
here amongst us tonight and heed us still, just as in days gone by. Thanks be to him. Amen.